0: Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and I'm here with my friend Stephanie. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here, Sarah. Stephanie and I have talked about this a lot, and I really appreciate her being here because we want to focus her story on motherhood and some of the difficulties, but also some of the joys that come from those difficulties with our kids. So, before we talk about your kids, let's talk about your experience in a family. What, what was your family life like? Where were you raised? You had a unique childhood. Talk about oh, that. Oh, I
1: have, I have the best parents <laughs> in the world. I, I know you do too, and many other people do. So right up there, best parents. Um, and we, we lived kind of all over the place, southern Utah, blending in Monticello. And my dad worked on the Indian Reservation there, and then we moved to New England where my mother's from. Um, came here to uh, the west, and um, it was just a lot of traveling, a lot of um, summers without a house to live in as we were looking for jobs and looking for places to live. Um, some, some trials, some lehi in the wilderness experiences, Yeah. Um, but they brought my family really close together, so I'm grateful for that. And we moved um, out here when I was partway through my sophomore year of high school. And the following year, I actually met my future husband and dated him, w- waited for him as he went on a mission, and then he came home. Then I went on my mission about 10 months later. I came home and we got engaged in the airport. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That, was, <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> it, it was, Yes, <laughs> married two months later. Um, and then I went to law school while he went to medical school. And I practiced law for a year before we moved off for residency. And we started our family, have four wonderful children, and t- the story continues.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you, I think it's so interesting that you had a variety of experiences, not that it was necessarily transient, but you were transplanted a lot of different places. How did that moving around and then the experience with waiting for someone on a mission and then serving a mission, there's all this give and take. How did that affect your relationship with your testimony and with God?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So when you 're uprooted a lot it 's hard to feel settled sometimes, yeah, and to find find a, a place that 's settled within you comes more easily when you when you turn to heavenly Father, and My parents were very, very good about turning our family to Heavenly Father as we went through year after year with with very little money or no place to live or... um, And my oldest brother is is quadriplegic. He's in a a wheelchair. So living in a campground during the summer when it's raining with my brother in a wheelchair and there's nowhere to go but inside the van. I I mean, they're just interesting experiences in hindsight. I'm not sure how my parents did it other than they had the faith and uh, diligence and the hope. And it was, it turned into an, a great adventure from my vantage. Yeah. Although I do remember one time we were getting ready to move again and my younger brother was complaining. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and then my parents uh, brought up the story of Laman and Lemuel murmuring and Nephi. And so he decided to be a Nephi and not to murmur. But anyway, the scriptures were very much a part of my life. My parents, um, put Heavenly Father first and foremost in our lives and our Savior, Jesus Christ, um, and taught us to rely on the Spirit. Uh, we had family fasts all the time. And uh, I have two brothers who passed away before I was born. Mm. And those brothers were, I grew up with them. I mean, they were always talked about and loved. And,
0: and um, so, you know, the perspective of eternity was always with yeah. us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing this nice spirit of contrast in your upbringing that you found a way to be settled, like you said, internally, even if you weren't settled externally. And your parents found a way that if you were sort of unsettled, to be settled and peaceful within yes. and, and to be a Nephi and to stop murmuring. Right. and right. And that idea of those who are absent somehow are still present. And and this idea of contrast and you dealing with that and sort of grappling with some difficulty even before you got married, how did that prepare you with your own kids specifically as you were trying to prepare your children to serve missions and to do all of those settled things that people are supposed to do? How, How did that prepare you with your own children? Well,
1: interestingly, as you're growing up and you're in situations like that, sometimes or you know, like living in a tent, sometimes you don't know how hard it is. You don't know that it's supposed to be hard, right? You're just getting through it. Um, And then as I got older and could look back and see from my, as a parent, now looking through my parents' eyes, what they did, it was really inspiring. And I thought, my parents did this. I can do it. Um, I can help bring my children too and I tried to in fact I asked my mom if she would please raise my children but she (laughs) because she did such well she did such a good job no she was so wonderful Um, and my father just amazing people but their example and the own testimony that they led me and helped me gain for myself strengthened me to the point where I truly felt that through Christ I can do all things I can do all through all things through Christ which
0: strengtheneth me Yeah which is especially difficult let's let's transition a little bit to what I alluded to in the beginning with your oldest son and if anyone's watching this or listening to it we actually interviewed him too so you mm-hmm. could listen to his perspective about this but you prepared him to Go on a mission and to, to sort of follow follow the pattern your parents had set for you. These are the things that we do. We do with a good attitude. We just move forward. Right. We dwell in a tent if we have to, right. but we keep moving right. forward. So your oldest son went on a mission. And, mm-hmm. and would you talk about what it was like sending him on a mission and then what happened after that that sort of continues this theme of contrasts and and unexpected things that happen? Sure.
1: And first I would like to say that Sam's story, my son's Sam, is not, each of us have an individual story. And so if there's somebody else going through this and the outcome is very different, I don't want them to feel like better or worse or whatever. Each person has their own story. And the story that Sam Um, lived was really interesting in hindsight. um, I see God's hand so much. And I'll tell the story in a second, but um, I also want to say that he's given me permission to talk freely about it. In fact, he's been very open about it, which I love. So I had on my checklist of things to do for my children, especially, you know, my boys, you grow up, you graduate high school, you go on mission, you get home, you, you know, go off to college, get married, check, 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 check. We got to the graduate high school, go, go on a mission part, and Sam was just so thrilled with his mission call to Finland. And he, you, we couldn't stop him from going. He just was so excited. And um, that's
0: very Sam, just very yes, passionate yes, and yes, excited yes, and, <laughs> and fully invested. Yes, yeah.
1: yes and I want, I want to do this, I want to do it yesterday, yeah. yeah, kind of thing. So he was thrilled. He went to the MTC, um, just really got Finnish quickly, remarkably quickly. And I'm just restating rumors, but I've heard that Finnish is probably one of the hardest that's languages. That's what I've heard
0: too. That Very for English difficult. speakers to learn.
1: Yeah. yeah, And he was really catching it on remarkably well. Loved the MTC. Loved Finnish. Loved everything about being a missionary. Went out to Finland. Still loved it. But seven months later, I got a call saying, Sam's not doing well. He needs to come home. And I was floored. All his mission, all his mission letters were I, you know, so excited, I love this, things are great, being a missionary, blah, blah, blah. It's Just super positive. And so I felt like the rug had been just pulled right out from underneath me. This was not on my plan. So what's going on? Sam was suffering from severe depression and some mental illnesses that made it pretty much impossible for him to function. He could not get out of bed. He he was not being an effective missionary. It was, you know, I'm sure it was hard on, on all those around him. And he was miserable. And he didn't, he was confused as much as I was, and more than I was, confused and hurting because he so wanted to be there.
0: So when when he came home, how did you use the skills that your parents had taught you? I, I just, what, what nice foreshadowing. Your parents had helped you try and find yourself and yeah. find being settled in all of these different situations and yeah. here you found this situation you're dwelling in the tent of uncertainty you're yeah. dwelling in the tent yeah. of a, of your son's mental illness mm-hmm. how did you deal with that and help him to in productive ways and i'm glad we're talking about this because parents need sometimes advice for what to right. do right. when things happen that are unexpected when the check right. check check list right doesn't follow what they expect it to. Well,
1: I can tell you at the time I felt like completely unprepared. There was, there was nothing I felt like that had prepared me. But in hindsight, I see the strength that came from the testimony I was, I had developed and learned and the knowledge that God loves me. And I knew that his plan although it wasn't what I thought was supposed to be his plan, was better for Sam than what I had expected. And so I, I flew to Helsinki to pick him up. And the airport between the airport from Paris to Helsinki, suddenly I just gave it over to the Savior and said, I can't do this. And I, I want to make it better for my son. And I couldn't. And he lifted that burden. And my parents had taught me to turn to our Savior. Um, and it was then that I truly, or I understood the the atonement, the power of the atonement, so much better. So Sam came home. We got uh, tests done. Found out that he had um, ADHD, which. I'm such a great mother. I didn't catch all those years of raising
0: <laughs> precocious, well, boy, but,
1: but he was very high functioning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I and
0: hope people wouldn't feel guilty if they don't catch things yeah. like that, because sometimes <laughs> they don't manifest themselves well, you until know, adulthood. mothers, we love to feel guilty. Yeah.
1: So, um, but it explained things like his, his knack for languages. When he's really focused and interested in something, he just goes all out. Yeah, and so he he grabbed language sort of, of these
0: compensatory gifts well, that he has. So
1: yeah, and the way I think of it is that our this is one manifestation of how our weaknesses can be also our strengths. So
0: yeah, how and, did you help him deal with coming home?
1: Um, well, we had a, let me tell you about the ward helping him. <laughs> While I was in Helsinki, they had a, a somebody in our bishopric announced that Samuel was coming home and told him why. And it was fast and testimony t- meeting. And apparently I wasn't there. Several members got up and talked about their own experiences and how hard it was and how we just need to support and love and understand that Wonderful. when these boys or, or girls come home, they're hurting, you know, a lot of them. And uh, so when he came home, he had a homecoming um, about a month after he got home, so he could kind of settle down and settle in. but. He, had a, um, he was asked to teach classes, to substitute in primary, and he just loved and embraced. So, so that
0: Ward family really helped it, to settle it him. It truly
1: did. It really did. And then Sam um, came up with an analogy almost a year later that actually helped me quite a bit. Or it was Back to your question, how I helped him. I just loved him. I just loved him and helped him and we we I went to the doctor's appointments with him and and tr- t- you know tried to just hold his hand and be
0: there for him. Well, and I love that yeah. because you would hate to even use the word disappointment because that right. that's right. not what it is. Right. If right. if you're loving them and if they are in pain and if they do yes. need help, yeah. it's nurturing them yeah. and you would just be proud that he's moving forward, yeah. especially when he comes up with the analogy that he did to help you? Yes,
1: the soccer game.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: this past May, we were talking about memories from when he was younger. And um, my husband was reminding him about how he had played soccer. And my husband had coached as a a city rec when they were young, when Sam was young. And he reminded Sam about how um, my husband had pulled him out of the game from being forward which is where he wanted to be he wanted to be making the goals and scoring the points and you know all the glory and he pulled my husband pulled him out and said i need you to be in the in the goal because we we're having trouble with the goal and, and put sam in the goal and then my husband stood behind the goal cage and coached him from there and he did a great job sam said that's like my mission i was pulled out of the game from being a forward from you know, preaching and teaching and baptizing, doing the things I wanted to do. And I was pulled out for a bit, but I'm back in the game. I'm in a different position, and Heavenly Father's standing right behind me, coaching me so I can be a defender of the faith. So, um, sorry, it just touches me because it was just perfect.
0: He's helped me, I think, as much or more, probably more. Yeah, what about that helped you so much? I think it's a beautiful story. Talk about what well, touched you in that.
1: I think because you don't have to be forward. <laughs> and, and none of us are always the forwards, right? There are so many different positions, and there are times in our lives when we're pulled out. Or maybe we need a break, or maybe something's going on, or maybe, you know, we're having a tough time. But then we can get back in the game, and we're still part of the game, and we're still playing that game, and we know that we're on the Lord's side, so we're on the winning side. And as those balls are coming at the goal and you're pushing away and defending the truth, you know that Heavenly Father's right behind you, coaching you.
0: Yeah, and it's more about that striving and that progression than it is what position you're playing. Oh
1: yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So it doesn't mean that you have to be doing what's on the checklist, as long as you're doing what's on Heavenly Father's list for you.
0: One thing that I love about this too, and especially him appreciating being coached by God in any position, is I keep thinking of you talking about the comparison with your family growing up in Lehi and dwelling in a tent, and I that verse, my father dwelt in a tent. I think I I thought that that's interesting. What the verb is now? I sound like a nerdy English professor, but he could have said he slept in a tent. Right, right, right. (laughs) But he talks about dwelling Mm -hmm. in a tent, which is making it your home. That we have these transient, unsure moments where you can dwell in it, and you can stay, and you can learn in the wilderness. And I think that's what you and Sam did together. We were both dwelling in that tent together.
1: Yeah. Yep. Now, in hindsight, I wish I could go back and tell myself, it's going to be okay. Don't be so upset. Don't be so scared. Yeah. And just know that Heavenly Father's in charge. Can I tell you one more thing? Absolutely. Really quick. Um, recently, Sam was having headaches. He's, he's away at school. And I said, well, maybe you we should come home for the semester and let's see if we can you know, get those cluster headaches taken care of or whatever. And he mentioned something about how he'd already failed at something. He didn't want to fail again. And he mm-hmm. was referring um, obliquely to his mission. And I went to the temple the next day, came home, called him right up, and I said, Sam, I've got to tell you, Heavenly Father doesn't want you to ever say that again, that you have not failed. You have learned precisely what you needed to learn, and all the good that you've done and all the good that you can do are negated if you think that you failed. And it was it was another blessing for me, too, to be able to say that and to have the power to say that. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah. And he's like, Okay mom, I'll never say that again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, and I think in you saying that to that to him, you were saying it to yourself.
1: Sure. I yeah. am
0: not yeah. failing as a mother. Yeah. Well, I'm, sure. I'm yeah. allowing us to see his situation as something as unsettling as it is. Yeah. As something that's settled. Yeah. And something that demonstrates a lot of success, even if it isn't in the traditional sense yes yeah, he's the goalie yeah he's succeeding
1: there, yeah right
0: yeah and I and I hope there will be moms and kids who can listen to this and and learn from this and like you said in the beginning it isn't the same as everybody's story everybody's right. story is unique but to learn from this and and say there are a lot of different versions of success and there are a lot of different versions of dwelling in the tent that right. God gave us and appreciating it and seeing it this this is shelter yes and it is a home that we can all have and we appreciate you sharing your family experiences both younger and as an adult and being a good example to us thank you for sharing that thank you it's been a pleasure